1: From the Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Antia Poker PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Cosenza and Scott Long.
0: It's June 17th, 2016. You're listening to the best poker cast on the planet. I'm Chris Cosenza. And I'm Scott Long. Hey, buddy, it's our anniversary. Yeah,
2: I don't know. Is it correct to say anniversary or birthday? I was thinking that. I know the that's a good question. Anniversary's kind of kind of weird.
0: Well, we weren't born. The the Daddy's show might have been, but the we weren't podcast really born. Was born. Yeah, but you know what? It's like two people coming together to do something is like and then agree to do it. It's kind of like a marriage, so
2: Yeah. How how about happy anniversary to us, but happy birthday to the N.E.F. Poker Pokercast?
0: That sounds pretty good.
2: And that's a good compromise we can work with. Yeah.
0: I think you're my common law husband now too. I'm, <laughs> that's I'm not sure true. if that. <laughs>
2: Probably oh, have been for a while, right? Isn't that seven
0: years? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Seven years. We just didn't. We weren't ready to admit it yet.
2: Yeah, we didn't want to come out. Yeah,
0: now, now we're out and proud. So, <laughs> but uh, but oh thank you very
2: much to everybody that's listened to the show for eleven years. Now it was June fifteenth, back in two thousand five, that we uh, uh, invaded the microwave room and started this thing, and um, so mind blows. Every yeah. time I think about it, just know, total mind blown.
0: Me too, because I I put something on uh, Poker Radius when it actually was the actual day, and I thought to myself it really 11 years (laughs) and I always have to go back because I remember you know I always think about the boom of poker was 2003 but you know we liked poker and played poker but we didn't actually get together and start playing together and stuff and I'm like was it 2004 no because that was when Raymer won and uh, wait when 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 did we and I'm like oh yeah 11 years (laughs) it's like geez 11 years wow well you know still going strong too every week never missing a week sometimes we have to record two shows a week like we're going to do today (laughs) So next week, when you hear, uh, you know, hey, uh, why are they talking about stuff that happened two weeks ago? You'll know why. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing two shows today. I'm going to Connecticut. Oh, and that reminds me, too. Uh, ben, one of our listeners and uh, from Connecticut, invited me to play in the home game while I'm up there. But it's the last day that I'm there. I'm coming home that day. I can't play. So thanks for the invite. But uh, he said you he heard on the show that we were, I was going to be up there. And I played up there like four or five times in their home game. And I love it every time I go. And I, I just can't play yeah, this time. Exactly. It's kind of bumming me out. But. I'll be all right. Oh, well.
2: <laughs> all right. Well, since we're recording two shows this week, uh, the one we uh, post early next week, will have our regular update from the World Series of Poker events. Uh, but we didn't want to skip talking about the World Series of Poker altogether this week. Howard Letter and Chris Ferguson, two faces of full tilt, have emerged from self-imposed exile. I love that. It's sound like on Survivor, right? Yeah. Uh, to play in their first World Series events since the scandal that rocked Yet at- online poker site just after Black Friday. So, um, what are our thoughts here? So, I, I'll start by just saying that uh, Howard um, posted a, I believe it was a YouTube video, uh, May 19th, where he um, apologized to the uh, poker world, um, and we neglected to bring that up on the show. I don't know really why. I think it just... I knew about it and it didn't come across my normal sources so
0: mm-hmm.
2: um so that was kind of the precursor to this and uh but now they're both playing and for what I understand uh, Ferguson's gone deep in a couple events and um so I don't know what do we think
0: you know I, it, it's not a matter of what we think I think it's a matter of what these guys felt was proper you know I mean like when you're when you lose a spouse to death or something and they tell you that you you have to at least wait a year before you're going to start, you know, maybe getting out there again and trying to find someone else to fill your, your life in something. But, you know, this was a few years and, you know, they're ready to start playing again. And maybe they're testing the waters for, you know, to see what, what the reaction is going to be. And, you know, they didn't have to do that. They could have just kept playing. I mean, they would have probably True. come up against some <laughs> violence and, you know, <laughs> right. some serious protests and stuff, but they didn't have to do this. So, you know, I'm I'm glad they went away for a while, you know, just because everyone want to try to heal at least, you know, yeah. and right. not have that sort of flare up and everything. So, um, you know, I mean, hey, it, they're human beings. They made mistakes. I'm not forgiving anyone for anything. I'm not saying that stuff. I'm just saying that at what point, there's got to be a point where they can say, hey, I think I can play poker again, or at least try, and this was the point, you know, five years later or whatever, so.
2: Yeah, we, uh, as try as we might not to, we always get flamed when we talk about these guys on the right. show, because, you know, we try to be rational about the whole situation, and uh, there are a lot of poker players who, in my belief, are irrational about this, and, and not that they shouldn't be. I mean, obviously, people lost a lot of money here, very angry, and anger is a tough thing to get past, right? So, um, so sure, be angry if you want. I'm not trying to say not to, but the, we try to be as rational as possible here when we talk about this. So, a couple of things that I want to bring up about that. One, you know, one of the things that we enjoy about poker, right, is anybody can walk up there and buy into a tournament, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, you know, I think you're right. I mean, they, they could have just kept playing, If they wanted to, um, they chose not to, and I think we are in agreement that was probably smart for the overall poker world that they did take a break. But, um, you know, they're allowed to play, so, you know, they can buy in Their money is just as good as ours, Um, Mm -hmm. and they can buy in, and um, if you don't like it, you don't like it. You know, I I don't know what to tell you. It's, you know, there are lots of people that buy into poker rooms I don't like. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But I can't stop them from buying in, so... Um, the other thing too, it kinda, you know, I kind of—I—I'll admit—I did not watch the Howard Letter video, um, uh, so I don't know exactly. I read some, you know, comments and stuff about it, so I think I have an understanding. But, but I guess what I want to say is that th- this is kind of like this no-win situation that people that have done wrong get into, right? And—and and maybe they, they don't deserve compassion because they did something wrong, and you know, they struggle the rest of their life. You know, hey, can't do the crime, don't do the time the way around right
0: <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah close enough the same words are all in the right <laughs> sentence it's just, put them in the order you want <laughs>
2: all right but, um, but here's what's interesting to me from you know trying to be the cyborg non-human looking at this from the outside is that hey this guy really should apologize I, I can't believe he has an apology he always does all an apology and then when he apologizes it's well it wasn't enough yeah so it's almost like a no-win situation for folks like this. You know, if you're like the oil company tanker and you run aground and oil kills a bunch of pelicans and then you go out there and say, I'm sorry, then people are like, I don't think you really are. But if you don't go out and say you're sorry, then they're like, I can't believe you didn't come out and say I'm sorry. So it's a no-win situation. So that kind of bothers me from a again, a cyborg rational <laughs> outside a human thing. Um, but I, I, the other thing I thought was interesting is I think Poker News went up to Howard Letter. Well, he was in a tournament. He played the $10,000 Juice to Seven. You know, if you're going to come back, come back big, right? Yeah. And asked him uh, for an interview. And he said he politely declined. He said, No, I've made my statement, and that's all I'm going to say about it. All right. And it's not going to stop anybody else from poking and needling him at the table, and that's fine. But Yeah. Um, I think it, it's, you know, obviously he made a terrible mistake, and we can argue. And we have argued how much he knew and what he could have done about it. But um, for somebody that screwed up big time, uh, I am impressed with how he conducts himself in the wake of that. Hmm. Flame away, folks. Flame away.
0: The other thing, too, is like I said, you know, these guys didn't have to do this, they could have come right back. and I could have sworn Ferguson did something between now and then, but I—I
2: think he probably did. Well, and and uh, Letterer played in the Aussie Millions a year after that too. I think. But. Okay. Um, and another interesting—we did get a, uh, an email from one of our listeners that's really amazed that Ferguson's doing so well this year from being away from the game that long. So I did want to bring that up real quick. Um, you know, let's be honest—he's he, a quality poker player, right? Yeah. I mean, um. And, yeah, so I think your skills might diminish a little bit when you're not playing against the best in a public environment. But I don't think for a minute that he quit playing poker. I think he just quit playing poker big tournaments where he was getting a lot of scrutiny, right?
0: Right.
2: So I, I, I'm i not at all surprised that he's still playing as well as he did back then or close to as well he played then. Um, I don't think it makes any difference, or it doesn't make much difference that he hasn't um Played in these big tournaments yeah. over the last few years.
0: So, one other thing too, that I don't want to get the show too long, but you know, it's weird. You know, when you think about these guys are coming back after five years or whatever it is, and you're saying to yourself, you know, Pete Rose can't come back to baseball, you know, because he's banned for doing something that you know was yeah. against the rules or whatever. And that's what maybe that's what poker is missing too. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, the World Series can't ban these guys because they weren't the ones that were directly affected by this. Well, although, they could, I guess. Yeah, but you know what I mean. That, that's kind it's of a, a weird, weird nightmare, probably. That would, but. yeah, that would be a lawsuit waiting to happen too. But it, it, if poker had this sort of regulation where, you know, you had to get a card, you know, to play poker, you know, and you had to show your card to go into a poker room or. I wonder if that would
2: imagine how few poker players there'd be left I
0: know you know what I'm saying it's like but the, uh, but I mean that's the only way you could look at this and say these guys should not be back yet they should be some sort of imposed thing on them. And I'm like you can't you can't do it unless there was some sort of we're all part of the same you know like the u s g a golf you know or something you can't enter these tournaments unless you're a good standing member in the u s g a or you know what I mean unless there was something like that, you can't say to these guys you can't play you know what i mean so that's what makes it feel so awkward because you think about Pete Rose. He can't just walk up to, you know, the Reds and say, hey, I want to, you know, I want to be coach again or manager and I want to be in the Hall of Fame. No, you can't because they control everything and you're not allowed because you're banned. But, you know, these guys, they can go play if they want. Look at Russ Hamilton, you know. The whole world knew he was cheating you. And he was playing in, in Gulfstream or whatever down in yeah, down South Florida. Florida. Yeah. So, that's what makes it kind of odd when you see these guys come back you're like shouldn't they be banned and you're like well you can't ban them how are you gonna ban them you know it just feels odd that these guys were they committed these these things to these against these poker players you know and then and i think the other thing too is that considering that pretty much all these players were made whole somehow when right? it was right. poker stars bought a mom paid all that money to do it yeah. and so if they weren't made whole i think they would be a big problem yeah that's true that but now true. That they're made whole they're kind of like hey you know what my bitch of? I got my money I'm mad at them, and I'll give them crap at the table but really I mean how long these guys have to sit out before we're gonna be like yeah you can play so interesting
2: awesome all right well, let's talk about happier things now <laughs>
0: okay good <laughs>
2: Uh, It took us a little longer than we wanted to, and it always takes us a little longer than we wanted to. But we're finally able to announce our Antia Poker Cruise schedule for 2017 and even early 2018. And uh, don't forget that we have two more cruises coming up this year still, August 26th to Alaska and November 14th from Tampa to the Caribbean. So get details on all those cruises and the seven new ones we're going to tell you about at com. So that means we have nine cruises coming up right now. Wow. You're probably beside yourself as much as you like cruising. <laughs> I can't believe it.
0: So you exciting. We have got a
2: whole new Tommy Bahama shirt that you're going to be wearing. I'm going
0: to go on every one of these cruises. <laughs> Everyone.
2: <laughs> well, we all know you're joking, but I'm not. I'm going to be on all of them. So. Um,
0: um, is, it, is it Caribbean or Caribbean? I always forget.
2: It's kind of like <laughs> Nevada or Nevada.
0: Cause it's not like you don't say Caribbean Queen. No, we're di- no, it's it's Caribbean. So I, I always know. Is it Royal Caribbean or Royal Caribbean? I don't know.
2: Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I don't uh, know. We probably should have thought about that years ago when we started this. Started discussion. the show, see it uh, Had that discussion until now. Gonna
0: give ourselves a self-imposed. Uh, don't pronounce it this way for five years. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right, so what do you want me to? Do? Do you want me to just read through all of them when we talk about it? Or we want to stop and pause after everyone just to have a quick. Oh, uh, I
0: think we need. I think we need to pause after every one.
2: All right, all right. So let's start with the first one. Uh, March twentieth, two thousand seventeen. Five night cruise from Tampa to the Western Caribbean or Caribbean, <laughs> however you want to say it. Uh, because of scheduling, we had to move our annual Tampa cruise to the spring, but it's on the same great ship, the Brilliance, and the same great ports, Cosmo and Grand Cayman, just in a different season.
0: If you only knew what we went through <laughs> to get this cruise. <laughs> Because we have so many people that we're, we're close with here that cruise out of Tampa, and we couldn't get the late schedule. And we're like, we got to get a cruise on for Tampa for our, our people. I mean, they're, our friends, everybody, this is the most popular cruise we have. And we, we you wouldn't believe what we went through to get this cruise. So
2: Yeah, I mean, we go through struggles every year trying to get – the cruises that we want and we don't there's not availability for it or there's some other kind of issue and we kind of got used to it a little numb maybe but this was above and beyond any struggle we've ever had and if it wasn't for tampa and being where we live here and the fact that we do so well the tampa cruise we wouldn't have fought this hard yeah. <laughs> to, to get one but we literally this is ended up being the only time and i think in the entire 2017 that we could have gotten a cruise without Tampa, and We had to move some rocks and boulders to even get that one. Yeah. <clears throat> it's so frustrating. I know I think a lot of people will see me on Facebook and, and laughing about how tough my life is when I'm on a cruise ship, but this is the part that makes it
0: tough. Yeah, that was <laughs> this brutal. Is a, this is
2: the part you don't see.
0: I mean, it was literally dozens and dozens of emails between all of us and our poker room manager and our third party group that helps us book it. And it just, it got to be like, I, I we almost gave up on it and we're like, we can't give up on Tampa, you know, brutal, brutal. Uh, situation, but we got it. We're happy. So, everyone join us, please, because it was well deserved.
2: Yeah, yeah. If we went through all this effort and there's only like six of you on this ship, uh... we're going to lose it.
0: <laughs> right.
2: All right. The next cruise will be April seventeenth, two 2017. This is going to be a 14 night transatlantic cruise. It's going to leave from Tampa. It's going to arrive in Barcelona, Spain. It will not come back to Tampa. So, once you get off in Barcelona, Spain, you're going to get yourself home um but uh, we're going to europe again we did this transatlantic uh two years ago um so it'd be three years by the time we do this and had a had a blast and this year's cruise is going to be eight hundred and forty five dollars per person for fourteen nights on a cruise ship oh, yeah getting you to spain um you know, that's almost as cheap as plane plane pair. So, and as I'm uh, fond of saying, it's going to cost you more to stay home than to come on the cruise.
0: <laughs> oh, man.
2: Definitely want ride, folks. This is a more intimate up cruise experience than our normal ones. Uh, obviously, not a lot of people can afford to take 14 nights off of their life, and plus whatever time you're going to spend in Europe once you get over there. I can't imagine if he gets 14 nights on a cruise ship, gets a Barcelona, and he pops on a plane to fly right back. No. <laughs> so, so the fact that, uh, it's, it's a big time commitment for folks. We don't get a, a big crowd for, it, but we take care of those, uh, folks that we do have come on it. So hopefully this one will be a little bit bigger than the last transatlantic, but that one was, um, probably one of the most special cruises I've ever had. Um, just because of how closely we got to know, um, all the passengers. So if you can afford the time, um, this is going to be a very, very good cruise.
0: If you can afford the time, we can afford the crime. <laughs> yes, I love it. We can get a bumper sticker made. Of that. I'm sure some
2: of our fans already have. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, all right, then June 5th, 2017, four nights from Port Canaveral. That's near Orlando, uh, and it's headed to the Bahamas. So once again, we're trying a summer cruise for all you teachers and parents who want to bring your children with you and you'll be 45 minutes from Disney World so plan to spend a weekend on either or both sides of the cruise at the Orlando theme parks to make this a family vacation and if you don't have kids uh, it's still come it's still it's an adult cruise
0: still yeah still an adult cruise but uh you can take the kids if you want and uh, there's plenty for them to do on the ship you know people a lot of people wonder you know hey if this is if there's going to be poker and stuff what are the kids going to do oh man there's way too much for the kids to do on these yeah. cruises so there's always something always something
2: and that's one of the things I added to our website this year I haven't had before was details on the kids' programs on each of the ships. So, yeah. you know, if you've never thought about bringing your kids on a cruise or didn't think it was appropriate to, uh, definitely check out our website at com and learn a little bit more about all the stuff that the kids get to do. But I already got a um, – between this and the transatlantic were the ones I've already got a lot of um, love from folks that I've talked to about. And what I'm going to remind everybody because when they say, oh, thank God you're doing a summer cruise again. And I'm like, summer cruises are hard to sell, folks. So if you're excited about it, come, but bring 10 more of your friends with you, please. <laughs> yeah. That's what makes it easier for us to do them, So, All right. So after that, September 17th, 2017. This will be a seven-nighter from Galveston, Texas, to the Western Caribbean. And we love sailing it out of Texas. The last time we did, had a big crowd. It was a lot of fun. Um, so if you're on the West Coast or in the Midwest, this is going to be our most centrally located cruise on the schedule. And the only time that we are going to Roatan, Honduras, which is a fun little port, too. So if you're looking to do any of that stuff, um, this is the cruise for you, September 17th.
0: um okay. That that Texas uh, cruise we did last time was that the same stop Roatan or was that different?
2: Um, yeah, we did Roatan. We also did Belize that time, which I wish we would be doing this time, but it didn't work out. So um,
0: Belize is fun too, but yeah, Roatan's nice. I just want to make sure that was the same one as before. Yeah, yeah same one as last time.
2: Um, and um, I don't think I'm going to mention any of these, but we are going to Costa Maya twice on the schedule. Uh, we did have a cruise uh, a year or two ago, I think. Um, we, we were supposed to go there and then the uh, weather canceled it, which mm. is really upsetting to us because Dr. Frank, one of our great contributors, had arranged for us to have lunch with a private Mexican family at their house. Man. Which would be really interesting, and we were upset that we couldn't make it. But so uh, uh, this year, uh, two of these cruises uh, at least are going to Costa Maya, including this Galveston one. So uh, I won't be going to Belize, but we're going to be going to Costa Maya. So yep. this is the place we haven't been. Yep. Alright, then December third, two thousand seventeen, a five night cruise from Miami to Mexico. Um, even we are shocked with how inexpensive <laughs> this is. You may be double checked three times.
0: I know, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, okay, something's not right here. Like, you carry the one, Scott? I'm like, I carried all the ones.
2: <laughs> so this- it's just three ninety seven per person, and this is a huge Voyager class ship with an ice skating rink and lots of other features that you wouldn't expect on a cruise ship. So everything about this cruise is a phenomenal value. So <laughs> we're expecting a massive massive crowd for this one so
0: yeah that that's just a massive i mean that price i mean i I still want you to double check it i want you to go double check it again now because that's just unbelievable that's unbelievable if you don't go on that if you if you say you can't afford a cruise you're lying because that that ship right there i mean you can collect cans if you live in a state that has five cent deposit and you can get enough to go on this cruise it's unbelievable
2: yeah, and the fact that it's a really, really nice ship too makes it all the all the more amazing. And yeah. um uh, so um uh but definitely check that one out. That that's a huge value. Um we don't get prices like that anymore, so completely shocked. Alright, after that, March eighth, two thousand eighteen, four nights from Tampa to Cosmo. I had no problem getting a cruise in Tampa in early twenty eighteen. Yeah. Um so Um, And we like this one. This one's interesting, too. So if you have a demanding job or personal life that doesn't let you get away for even a week, this four-night cruise leaves on a Thursday afternoon, gets back early Monday morning, uh, so you don't have to use much vacation time at all to play some poker. And if you live uh, in the area here, you literally can get on that ship like at 4 o'clock on Thursday, so you can work a half day on Thursday, take Friday off, and then you get off first thing Monday and go straight to work. Really sadistic
0: Right. (laughs) <laughs> if you really have no vacation time, you only have to yeah. take like a day and a half. So.
2: Well, yeah, you only have to take a day and a half off. So um, so definitely check that one out. That's going to be interesting. I wish we could do some more of them like, over the weekends like that because we think it's a big market. But just tough to put together. But yeah. that will be it. So. And then finally, the last one we have scheduled now, April thirteenth, twenty 2018. Nine nights from Miami to the southern Caribbean. And so not only does this cruise have exotic ports not often reached like Aruba and Curacao and Bonaire, but it's nine nights, span two weekends, so you won't have to exhaust all your vacation time in order to go on a truly unique poker cruise experience. So what we love about this one, it leaves on a Thursday and gets back on a Sunday. So, you know, obviously you got to take a whole week off and maybe an extra day or two. But um, it's a great value at nine nights. I think it's somewhere like 760 or something like that, yeah, I think. Yeah,
0: another one that's less than 100 a day, which is yeah. It's always, really it's always the, that's basically the benchmark for the pricing of most of these cruises. So when you see for less than that, yeah, jump on it.
2: Yeah, yeah, and these are great ports. We did the, you know, we did that thirteen night Boston to Tampa cruise this year, and we stopped in Aruba and Curacao, and I loved them. I absolutely loved it. They're so different than the other ports that we go to. Yeah. I haven't been to Bon Air yet, but that's um, I'm sure I'm going to like that as well too. So it's very hard for the ships to get the get down there on a um, one week cruise. So um, looking forward to this one, even though it's. Way, way, way in the future. So, anyhow, go to com for more information on all these and information on how you can book. And then, of course, don't forget those two we have coming up the uh, rest of this year.
0: Okay, any Updates. You know, every four or five years, Scott and I try to remind ourselves, <coughs> why aren't we in Canada? So, we say, all right, we're going to explore that again. So, um uh we're thinking about expanding to Canada, and we'd like the Up PokerCast fans who live in that great country to be part of our team. We've got so many fans up there already as it is, and we're always having great conversations with them and seeing them and stuff, so we thought, if you're interested in writing for us or selling advertising or helping in any way, please email us at podcast at antioch magazine dot com, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, it's also time for us to build up our bench of possible Up Ambassadors stateside, uh, if you'd like to be one of our monthly magazine contributors and represent Anti-Up in your home area, apply at com slash ambassadors. We have immediate openings in Michigan, Louisiana, and the Pacific Northwest. Each week we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast at com and if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call the Floor and Hand of the Week, we send them something cool. comes from Ed in Redlands. He says, a long time ago, I started playing poker and wanted to get better at my $20 home tournaments. There was this podcast thing, so I looked up poker, and there were these two guys who worked for a paper on the other side of the country that talked about poker. I started listening. Over time, your podcast grew, and so did my game. Oh, good. I'm glad it does because if it wasn't, it would be a real depressing story. <laughs> the more I listened to you, the more I suck. <laughs> uh, I want to see uh, to a 1K event and played my first World Series of Poker event. A year or so later, I won a $1,500 seat and had my first mincash. A year after that, I won a $1,500 seat and ended day one as the chip leader, flaming out just short of the final table. This year will be the first time I play more than one event at the WSOP. I won four seats and will be playing five events, the last of which will be my first time in the main event. When I look back, my oldest memories of poker are listening to two guys in Florida talk about poker who I still listen to. I don't know why I think you should know this, but I do.
2: Oh, thanks. Ed. <laughs> uh, no, this is we love getting emails like this, and I know uh, that day, I still remember that day I got it, and I'm like, wow, it's really kind of cool because it kind of makes you think of uh, how much we've grown. Not only how much we've grown over the last 11 years, but how much our listeners have grown. You know, yeah. we've had listeners come and go. Uh, we've had a lot that have stuck with us from the beginning, though,
0: and um, a couple of yeah. bracelet winners. Yeah. And, or at least one. And then uh, one that made the main event final table, obviously, Lee. And it's just remarkable. It's, these guys, you know, they get started. Of course, they're a lot smarter than we are. You know what I mean? They That's start true. the same way everybody else does with, uh, hey, get as much advice as possible. And then they're obviously gifted at the game or something, and they take off with it. But for us, it's like, uh, yeah, we're st- we still stink at the game, but we're still here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got a brand new O'Malley's move. Oh, uh, no, we completed no, today. No, no, we're completing Oh, one. that's right. We completed today. That's excellent. This Good. is what happens
2: when we record two shows. Well, well I get, get to react to it. We never go on vacation.
0: We're never, we have, we're never, uh, we're never, never should go on vacation because we ruined the show. But uh, that's right. So let's remind ourselves what happened on part one.
1: Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's Move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we are seated in a loose $2, $5, no limit hold'em casino cash game. At this table, we've got lots of players wanting to see flops and very few raises pre-flop. We've bought in for 300 and currently sit with 450 after about 4 hours of play. We open the table and have only lost 2 of the originals. The action is 9-handed. The small blind posts, we post the big blind, and the action goes under the gun calls, plus 1 calls, MP and MP1 fold, hijack, cutoff, and button call, small blind completes, and we are in the big blind with the 10 of diamonds, tray of diamonds. Yeah, not a super good hand, but we can check, so we do. The flop, however, is quite interesting. The king of diamonds, queen of spades, jack of diamonds comes down. The small blind checks, and with about $30 in the pot, we make a bet of pot to push anyone out that may have other ideas. Everyone folds, save for the button, and we're now heads up. The turn is the 9 of diamonds. This is a very good card for us. It completes our flush, and even though we are out of position, I like where we stand with this one. We played a big blind special and got rewarded. Our opponent has been here since the opening of the table and appears to be a solid player, not often stepping out of line. He bought in for 300 and started this hand with about 400 The pot is at $90 and we lead for 60 after very little thought, our opponent makes it 120 to go. Maybe this is an insta-shove, but for some reason, I just can't bring myself to do it. We call. The river is a blank. Four of clubs. So we're kind of on an island here. Are we betting? Check calling? Giving up? What's the move?
2: Right, I'm definitely not betting here, our opponent played his hand uh, consistent with the flush, and two of those have us beat, uh, so I definitely don't want to get raised by a better hand here. I will, however, uh, consider a call.
0: All right, well, I, I, it's a decent pottery, so I agree. I think a check call, is re- any reasonable bet, is, is in order. But uh, if anything out of line is made here, any kind of bet that's crazy, it'll make me think hard about a call. But uh, I agree with you. I think a check call is, is pretty easy to, to make here, especially considering what, what's transpired up till now. All right, here we go. Part two. Hello again.
1: I hate how I played this hand from the turn on. I think we really left some value out there. Our opponent simply called preflop, then called our turn bet. That doesn't sound like a stronger flush, and since he didn't raise preflop, I can't put him on Ace-Queen of Diamonds. However, we chicken out and check the river. With 330 in the pot, our opponent makes a $100 value bet, and we again just call. Our opponent tables the 8 of diamonds, 7 of diamonds, and we rake in the pot. Until next time, I'm Malcolm O'Malley saying, playing scared is never a good way to play this game. You could have stacked this guy, but let him get off easy. I hope to see you on the belt."
2: Right, I, know, I know some of our PokerRadius.com fans uh, agree with O'Malley, uh, but I'm going to disagree. i will be cantankerous today. <laughs> Uh, I don't think we played this scared. I, I think we played it cautiously, and cautiously is not always scared. Sometimes it is, but it's not always. Right. And um, I think that's what you need to do. You always need to play that way when you're out of position, because out of position is very scary. Um, do we lose value? Well, maybe, maybe. Um, but I don't think we blatantly lost value. I don't think I either can slam dunk that we lost value here.
0: Right. I mean, all three of us thought we should check call, and we won, so I'm I'm okay with the decision and the outcome. Mm. Very good point. Yeah. Um, could we have gotten more out of him? Maybe because now we know he's got, you know, what he has. But um, could just have easily been a better hand, and we could have been uh, we're out of position. And now we're thinking, geez, you know, what if this guy bet boldly with that, you know, re-raises or something? And now we're like, well, we are beat, and we'd have to lay it down. So I'm happy with what happened here. Yeah, absolutely.
2: This is Greg Raymer, better known as the Fossil Man, and you are listening to Annie Up. All right, it's time for Hand of the Week. Send your hands or situations podcast at AnnieUpMagazine.com. And we're just keeping this a uh, fan-friendly 11-year anniversary show here. So (laughs) another super fan, David Bloomberg, is going to be our Hand of the Week uh, contributor this week. And he says, uh, this week uh, I was playing in his regular 1-2 game at a local poker room. And he says, I know pretty much how everyone there plays. Bought in for 200, and I've been there for about five hours. I have a 470 in front of me, down a little from around earlier. I'm in middle position. The other gun player is one of those guys you love so much. He straddles at every opportunity and then raises his straddle probably 75% of the time uh, when not raised first. He will do so with almost any two cards, under the excuse of balancing his range. He loves bloating pots with big bets to make people feel uncomfortable. So he is the epitome of a loose, aggressive player, though he is otherwise a nice guy. So, sorry, not
0: possible. <laughs> that, took Dave Bloomberg up to a lie detector test, too. <laughs> if it was Omaha, it's possible, with a, <laughs> with a kill. But if it's a straddle and an and hold him, yeah, he's a, he's a jerk.
2: He's not a nice guy. <laughs> Alright, uh he is in for about nine hundred bucks today, and that's probably four hundred or so in front of him right now. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh it's hard to tell exactly because he stacks his chips in as few stacks as possible. See? He does more straddling like behavior. Yes. Um he has been very vocal in feeling like the deck had been killing him earlier in the season. Yes, it's cards kill uh, people, not people. <laughs> um as he would make decent hands and lose. All right. So with the $5 straddle on and all that information, <clears throat> we look down
0: at two red jacks
2: in middle position.
0: Hmm. Well, if if this was exactly the way this guy played and he loved to, sh- to do all that stuff, then I think I would just call, you know, I would call the $5 straddle and let him bloat it. Because you might get other people calling thinking he might not bloat it and then you get that dead money in there and then you can come alive. I think this is definitely the type of hand to raise with a mm-hmm. re-raise with, you know, what I mean when you know he's going to do it. If he doesn't do it and then we still have a decent hand and we have position on him. So I don't mind it if he doesn't raise and we're stuck with him and one other guy and you can get away from it for 5 bucks cuz jacks are hard to play. So if it does turn out that we call the 5 and maybe get a couple of callers and it gets back to him and then he makes it like 40, then I'm making it like 120. And I'm going to be like, yeah, all right, what are you going to do now? So, yeah. um, and if it goes where he just calls two, then you can just be cautious on the flop. And if you have your pairs over to everything else, then you take it, you know, and go with it. So uh, I don't mind uh, just a limp along to the $5 straddle here.
2: Yeah, I think I'm totally going to limp here as well, too, and with the understanding that of the danger of limping. But I think this is kind of when you're playing against these kind of players, you have to change your game, right? Right. And that means you have to change your game. You can't do one thing and then go back to doing what you normally do when that kind of guy's not in the game. So I know there's some people that are like, "How can you just limp with the jacks here? You got to get value. You got to protect that hand." But um, I think it's much smarter to limp here and try to do that check raise considering how it happens. But if we don't get that opportunity, then it becomes set mining for the most part. Or we're hoping for 300 cards, and then we can sort of come alive there. But not going to be very excited
0: about... Um, um, if those two overs come or, yes, exactly. or something, we're going to be like, yeah, all right, you know, if somebody bets out, uh, I'm done with this hand. If they all check and then they check again and you're like, Alright, I think maybe I'm good. So but at this you got you gotta have a plan that you're willing to adjust. Exactly. Absolutely.
2: Alright. So uh our hero says since he is almost certain to raise it up himself, I decide not to further bloat the pot for him. I limp with the intent to call pretty much any raise. Uh, I kinda like your idea though of at least considering the check raise.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I, I would because you I w- want, I
2: wouldn't automatically do it. I mean, what if you get like three or four other people in this hand? What I like about it is if, um, it, it, what I want to do is get a heads up with this guy with his hand, right?
0: Yeah, or even take, take it down for 50 bucks. Right. Yeah, right,
2: right. And so the problem with limping is we're probably going to get some collateral damage <laughs> in the middle of that, right? That we have to consider. So it's possible if we have a lot of people that, uh, or not enough people that I might decide that check raising might not work. But but I, I want to at least consider it. I don't want to put it out of my mind until I get that opportunity.
0: Right. I mean, the other thing, too, is if, if when he says, I'm looking to call a raise, I don't like that, because then now you're still guessing when the overcard comes. You know what I mean? You're you're now, when the overcard comes on the flop, because you let a flop come for cheap or for his price, he bets out because he's early to act. Now, you, now you're like, ugh, now what do I do? Now I got to call again and waste some more money, hoping you won't fire in the turn. And I floated in with my jacks. No, you really want to just if he makes it forty and you make it a hundred and twenty or a hundred and ten or something like that, and you take it down, you're happy to take down that fifty-six dollar pot. You only sure. have four hundred in front of you anyway. That's that's a pretty decent chunk of your of your you know stack size to to increase it by. You know, it's more than ten percent of your your stack. You've increased it on one one play. I'd be happy to do that. You know, I, I don't want to just call. You know, we have position. You're still giving him. You know, control of the hand, and if an over comes and he bets, then what do you do? Now you're stuck with jacks. So, I'd like to take it down, to be honest with you. So, I really want to make it a check raise if I can. Right.
2: Okay. Uh, a couple other people limp as well, and the villain
0: indeed raises to twenty. Wow, that's not even a good raise. I mean, if it's five and you're going to raise with no one limping, you'd make it twenty or so. You make it twenty sometimes on a one-two game with no freaking straddle. So that's interesting. Why did he make it twenty? Ugh. Well, I still want to re raise because if I just call, it's so small of a re raise here. I guess it's a re raise in a way of himself. I don't really know how you'd call that, but you know, and it's 20 bucks. I mean, if you just call 20, there's already, that'd be like 50 or 60 in the pot from the other limpers.
2: Yeah, well, the problem with calling us is so many other people are going to call us as well because yeah. they know that he's going to do this, right? So they're limping. No no one limps in a straddle pot thinking that it's not going to get raised, right? Yeah. I mean, if you do, time. you're just throwing that money away. So <clears throat> when you limp in a pot like this, you have to, in your mind, you're already saying, all right, if you race to 10 and 20, 30, whatever it is, I'm going to call that. So I don't think anybody's going to fold here if it's just 20. So now it's the time for us to try to weed the field.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. But, right? yeah, I mean, I'm not happy with the amount we're going to win by making this raise. if we do make the race and win, but, you know, I got to make it something like 65 or something. I, I got to get these guys out.
2: I was thinking 60 is probably where I was going to go. Yeah, Maybe a little bit more. Maybe 70. Yeah, I don't know.
0: Because of the limps. The other money yeah. that's in there. Normally, I mean, if-
2: limp, Again, those limpers in their mind have already decided that they're going to call 10, 20, 30, whatever it is. I don't think any of them have already decided in their mind they're going to call 60 or 70. So now you're changing their thought process. Yes. Yeah. So 60 is probably fine. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, let's see uh our hero says i follow through with my plan and call one other player does as well
0: (laughs) that's yeah well well even so now you're racing four cards and you're you've got position on one of them i don't know if the other one was a small one or not but but now you're racing at least four cards with jacks no i don't want to call calling is not good to me i mean it may turn out okay for him but at this point i think that's a mistake
2: all right, so the pot is around sixty dollars after the rake, and the hero says, "I expect that the villain will continue continuation bet almost any flop. Flop is king, king, nine, two hearts, one diamond. And the villain bets twenty-five dollars.
0: Well, that's a pretty decent flop for us. Uh, not that you're not—they're not capable of flip, uh, flopping trips here. I mean, it's—it could be possible. Somebody could have queens too, and." You know, been doing the same thing we were doing with Jacks. Who knows? Uh, But that's a pretty decent flop for us. Um, I don't know. I'm always aggressive when I play poker. I don't tend to get, you know, like in this hand here. Normally, I would say, okay, well, I don't want to give this guy or the other guy a chance to hit his ace on the turn or a queen on the turn for such a cheap price. I mean, that's not a lot of money either when you consider how much is in that pot. He didn't even bet half the pot. Right. So, I feel like he's either reeling us in, or he's just testing the waters. You know, it's a very either scary Either way, I'd like to find out right now. Exactly. Though. I want to find out now while it's still affordable. So, again, we're going to make it a raise, maybe 70 or so, yep. which we should have done pre-flop.
2: Right. So, we're essentially taking the money that we should have done then, which would have got about the same result, right? And yeah. now betting it now. So, I mean, there's no big problem in that. And
0: then we'll find out. So, king, king, nine, two hearts and a diamond. Yep.
2: Okay. Alright, here it says, I was expecting a bet, so this doesn't surprise me. Uh, he could still have literally any two cards here, so I will maybe be good. Uh, I call to see if he keeps barreling. The other player folds so it's heads up.
0: Well, at least he got the other guy out, but, wow. I mean, we're just, we're not controlling this hand at all. Yeah. Okay. Which is an
2: interesting way. I think a lot of people kind of, this is how they're, how they play against these players, right, is to become passive and then let the hang themselves and I used to play that way all the time, and then what I found out is that these players always end up getting that stupid flush at the end. <laughs> yeah. yeah, They would have been hung on the flop, they would have been hung on the turn, and then we let them catch up on the river uh, by trying to let them hang themselves. So I'm always more uh, cautious about that now than I used to be.
0: And we can't forget hands like Queen-Jack and Jack-10. Even though we have two Jacks, there's still a possibility and they have a hearts. hand like that. I mean, two hearts. all kinds of
2: stuff that could come here... Yep. Um, and we're already in a difficult spot because, I mean, you could have a king, right? So it's already difficult now. This hand can get way more difficult uh, on these last two cards.
0: Yeah, if a queen of hearts comes on the turn, or a, you know what I mean? You might as well just <laughs> throw the hand away. Yeah. yeah,
2: well, and that might be the smart thing to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but, um, but I, uh, yeah, I'd rather know right now a better idea of where I am. So, uh, But we are heads up, so that is an advantage. Right. All right, the turn is the Jack of Spades. Woohoo! our hero goes. I do a happy dance in my head, though I also have to acknowledge that you could have King Jack or King 9 here. If that's the case, he's just going to get my stack, because most of the time I definitely have him beat. Uh, yeah. Uh, and he bets 55.
0: Yeah, now I'll just call. I mean, I, even so, you know, I mean, if I raise, what am I going to get called by? You know, if he has the king, he's going to call and maybe even already have the boat on us so i don't mind just calling here and and keeping the pot reasonable and then on the river you know maybe then when i think he you know if he checks the river or something you know it might look like if a heart comes it might look like we were going for the flush and he checks or whatever but if it doesn't come and then he bets you know then it might be he was going for the heart draw so you know who knows i i think i'm gonna I'm just going to call, though, and see what happens on the river. That's a big enough bet that I'll just call. Yeah,
2: I absolutely want to call now here. Especially if I was playing it the way we just described it, where we're wanting this guy to hang himself. All right, Now now he's hung himself, right? He mm. still has the chance to catch up to us if it's with a couple of hands. But I would rather now just smooth call here, let him hit his flush that we were worried about just a street earlier, and then get a stack now. And I'd really like to take the risk that if he has a king with no kicker right now, that he catches up with us on the river. I think it's a small price, small fear to have <clears throat> for a bigger payout if we let him catch up in other ways. Or
0: Yeah, I just, if if we're going back a step, I wonder, you know, if he had a king, would he have, bet? if he had king nine, would he have bet the flop? And I, then if he he
2: had, I think that kind of player does you
0: think that. So? And he does it again the turn?
2: <clears throat> because he knows there's people like us that that want to raise him because they don't believe him. Yeah. And that's the exactly, I mean, we're both trying to get the other opponent here to believe that we don't have anything when we really have something. Right. That's the interesting part of this, I think. So,
0: I guess he bets. I I just don't know if if he hits that full house on the turn with the king jack, the case jack. I don't know if he bets it. I just think I mean now he can say all right, I give up, I check, because I bet the flop like I'm supposed to. You have position on me. I know you're floating me. Go ahead and take it away from me. But instead, he bets again, and he bets a decent amount. I, I wonder if he really—if he had the boat at that point, would he really have bet again? So I'm, I'm just calling. I think I'm happy with him not having it.
2: All right. Let's see. Uh, <clears throat> all right. Uh, it says, I'm in position, and he's shown that he's just going to keep betting, so no reason to give him pause now. Maybe he really does have a king or just a nine. In any case, I call to let him keep it up since I'm in position. Yeah. River is the seven of clubs. So uh, our final board is king, king, nine, jack, seven, and our opponent bets eighty.
0: Yeah, i would been raise him. I mean, it, he could have king nine, he could have king jack, he could have king seven, he could have nine nine, he could have. But it seems like nine nine is a stretch to the way he played it. Um. Yeah, i would min raise him. I think.
2: Yeah. I like that. See what I, he mean, I could defend a bigger raise as well, too, but um, definitely got to raise him, right? Yeah. Um, all right, right, here it says, time to pull the trigger on a raise. After the 80 bucks, I have about 290 left. If I put it all in, I think it may actually cause him to realize I had the best hand, but if I make a bet where he can leave money behind in his stack, he may call if he has any part of that board. So I raised a 185. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> kind of odd.
0: <laughs> That's almost a min-raise a little more. Uh, yeah, a little bit more. Yeah, so I think it's fine.
2: Uh, our, our opponent uh, thinks for a moment, calls. I show the jacks, and he shows king
0: ten. Yeah, it makes sense because you know from the beginning we don't know he could do it with any two cards, and he did do it with any two cards. Now we got way more money out of him than the way we would have played it initially because we wanted to get isolated with him. But I still think he, you know, he's got one. They got a lot of egos. These guys, I yeah, think they might still I, come along.
2: He's, he's calling that 60 or whatever raise we were going to make in pre-flop. He's calling that with king 10. And
0: then he hits the three kings, bingo, Bango, bongo. He's not right. going anywhere for the rest of the hand anyway. You probably get all the stack then. Yeah. Because you'll make a bet, he'll call, or he'll check to you, you'll bet, he'll call, slow playing it, and you'll fill up on the turn.
2: Well, he could it. also, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of whether he would play it differently. If we raise, we called, and then hit it. Now, now I think maybe he's trying to tra- uh, trap us. So.
0: Yeah, well, so I don't think he'd bet into us, right?
2: Kings, Right, so it's possible that he would have lured us into betting and then raised us, and we would have had a fold, right? I
0: don't know if you would have we folded, though. We would have had though. to think about folding. Yeah, Please. I just don't know if you yeah. would have believed he had the king at that, po- that moment, considering what he told us before the hand started. He might have said he might have just been trying to check, raise us, and... Because he's crazy and gets bored and wants to raise the hand, and I feel like maybe that uh, he would check, let us bet, he call, and then come alive on the turn, and then at that point we're like great because we got the boat, and then you know what I mean I think I think he get all his chips if we played it the original way. I think we get all his chips, or whatever Possible. we du- we double through. Yeah. But either way, I, yeah. He, he he got he got I thought he got lucky here. I thought it turned out well because. He doesn't hit that jack. I think he doesn't believe him the rest of the way, and he loses the three kings.
2: Well, it's interesting you say luck because uh, we have a little uh, discussion here from David, and he says, um, the villain proceeds to get mad and start asking questions because he says, my play made no sense. Why didn't I raise preflop? Why did I call the flop? There's certainly no reason to tell him that I know how he plays, so I just told him I got lucky. But, of course, the actual answers are I didn't raise preflop because I knew he would. I call him a flop because he's always continuation betting there with any two cards, and I thought I might might as well have the best hand at the time. Was the turn lucky? Well, obviously. But there's a lot of time in that same situation where I'm ahead the whole way. Yeah, I, no, he's this absolutely is part of right. the reason I don't like the go. Oh, how can you play that when well, you're playing... Uh, no, you're playing oddly, in my opinion. So I have the right to play oddly, in your opinion, right?
0: Yeah, you have to. It's just that's the thing is he? he did get lucky on the turn... If he didn't get lucky, he would have still lost probably the same amount of money because right. it, it came unders after that. So he's still thinking his jacks are good, given the way this guy plays. He didn't really put him on the king, and then at the end, he just min raised him barely because he thought, eh, the only way this guy's going to call me is if it's minimal and he has the king. But I don't. If you were convinced he had the king, you would have bet more. So you were lucky to get it really at the end. You're lucky to get that money, and and uh, it was good. It was good. You got a lot of money out of it. It's just. Kind of scary to play it that way. I mean King Ten could have very easily been King Nine. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, it's the same two cards basically. So um but hey, more power to you and you yeah, win some money. Usually they end in a loss. But... So that's what I like about when they win end yeah, in exactly. a win.
2: I'm always gonna celebrate when one of our fans takes down a straddler.
0: Alright, don't forget to come on one of our cruises. Uh we're gonna have a lot of fun on a lot of these, a lot of different ports. And uh, I heard about Bon Air too, is I have family members who've been there and they have said it's just absolutely beautiful. They they go for like a month at a time to Bon Air. So, really looking forward to that one. I'm Chris Casenza, uh, And I'm, I'm Scott, Scott Long. We'll see you at the tables.
1: up is a production of magazine.com Contact the show at podcast at AntioffMagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiummagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.